future friends, haters, and ex-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold, and this is part two of my conversation with the extraordinary Hilary Kerr. If you missed last week's episode, you might want to listen to that first, and it's linked below in the show notes. But before we get into it, I just want to let everybody know that I am taking the next week off. I know, I know, I feel weird about it too. The truth is, I had planned on doing a proper season break, but I thought about it and I was like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. So in lieu of that, I'm taking one week off for my mental health, just a little menti bee, mental health, little breaky break. And then I will be back the following Tuesday. Okay, so let's pick back up with last week's special guest. She's an entrepreneur, a CEO, a podcaster, a tastemaker, a mother, a wife, and she makes it all look so damn effortless. We are diving back into our conversation with none other than Hillary Kerr. What are your thoughts on slow roll versus diving right in? I prefer a slow roll, personally. Sure. Because I don't trust it. When I got a lot of attempts at love bombing and I despise it. It makes me very uncomfortable because what it says to me is this person has a hole inside them and they are trying to fill it with anyone. It's not about me specifically. I went through a period of time when I was dead inside post that breakup while dating when men very early on would say, you're the one. I love you. I want you to meet my family. They really associated me with like, oh, you're the person who I want to settle down with. Putting you on the pedestal. And I despised it because I'm like, you don't, you're just looking for that. It's not about about me, you don't know me well enough to feel this way. You know me well enough to think I'm cute or to think I'm funny, hopefully. Or the idea of me. Yeah, but all of this is, it's just fantasy. It's not real. It takes a long time to get to know someone. It takes longer than you would even imagine, How in my long? opinion. How long? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We, we just had this conversation. <laughs> we, Rory and I were on a walk the other day, and we were talking about the fact that I've been with my husband for nine years. We've been married for six. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and I still feel like I am just getting to know him. I remember on our honeymoon, we we looked at each other and we're like, what did we just do? We don't really know each other that well. In and the- how long had you been together? Three years. And you'd known each other for longer. And we'd known each other for another two. And we'd been friends for like two years before that. Wow. And by the way, I love it. The fact that his personality and quirks and different sides of him continue to reveal themselves to me after all this time. This is the best part about marriage and a part that I feel like I got lucky in because I'm sure that this could go the other, other way. way. Yeah. But seeing him with our kids, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. He's so so good with them. I had a hunch, but I didn't realize it. Or his weirdly retained knowledge of the periodic table. I'm like, where did this yeah, come from? Yeah, I, he's that a would giant be, nerd. Yeah, I mean, which I I knew, but I didn't know the full extent of right. it until here nine years in. Because when the fuck does the periodic table come up otherwise? I mean, school. Yeah, only yeah. when your kid yeah. suddenly is interested in it. So, but it's shocking and terrifying. It made me understand a little bit more about why marriages fail mm. and why relationships fail because. Because, I mean, ultimately, isn't that why all relationships fail? You get to know the other person and you don't like what you find. Oof. Yes. And that, yes. that's it. That's, that's why, it. That's why relationships end. I would say it's that or you can't figure out a way to meet in the middle. You know, you either find out what you don't want to find out or you realize, oh, I don't love the things about you that I originally thought as much as I do. Yeah. Or you just can't bridge the gap. Yeah. So when you said this on the walk, I was like, oh, my God, we have to talk about this. I was like, how did you get so I mean, how did you make the right choice? 
Well, I was lucky because my husband and I were friends for a couple of years before we started dating. And so we actually were mostly email correspondence from time to time. We had mutual friends, but we really... Not me going through all my old emails after this. Seriously. But we had mutual friends. I would see him out from time to time. I thought he was interesting. And periodically, I would see something like a New York Times article. I know this is so nerdy, but I would send it. It's like, oh, I saw this thought. You would think it was interesting. Or he would send me something. So we weirdly almost were like... Like pen pals for a while okay and got to know each other in that long slow way where there was no pressure he was dating someone I was dating someone it was not a thing and so personality revealed in that way also I again I think having mutual friends was helpful because yes, you the get a process yeah you get a sense of who is this person who do they surround themselves with and this is just happenstance but our backgrounds are pretty similar we grew up on opposite sides of mm. the country I grew up in a big city he grew up in a tiny town but there's a lot of overlap in our backgrounds interesting and I feel like there were certain aspects of that level setting that I think ultimately were helpful because we had, even though, as I said, we literally grew up as far away on the map as you can be, yeah. there were a lot of constants for both of us. So all of that coupled with the fact that I actually just respected his brain and who he was as a person before we started dating, I think that helped with the whole process for me. Mm. Because I knew who he was. I knew good stuff. I yeah. knew bad stuff. Sorry, babe. And, you know, like, I just Spoiler knew. alert, you're not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike me. No, yep. But I knew I knew where the edges were. Interesting. And no one is perfect, but there are always things that you're like, I can handle this. I can't handle that. And I thought who he was at his core, he was a good person. He was a kind person. He was a moral person. He was, yes, funny and interesting and smart and all of those things. But the foundation was really solid. And I learned about myself through all of my dating that I have to be with someone who I respect intellectually. Mm. And that was not always something that I looked for because I have really intelligent friends who are so thoughtful and interesting and just have these beautiful brains. So I didn't always look for that in a partner because I had it in my friend group. And then I eventually realized, oh, that's why you don't always treat people very well, Hillary, because you don't respect them and you're mean about it. Or you don't take them seriously because they're not your intellectual equal, which is horrible and embarrassing to admit. No, I mean, it's human. But you know, I was a jerky 26 year old. It just is. So I think also realizing what my real values were and what I really actually needed mm -hmm. in a relationship. I needed to trust someone. I needed them to be intelligent and to have drive and to be kind. These are things that I was not interested in at 26. Yeah, of course. You know, I was like, is he hot? Or should I not be dating yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. Do you know how far into dating John it was when you realized you loved him? Yeah, really early. Oh. Way earlier than, I, than he and I ever discussed. I knew very early on and I was uncomfortable with it and sat on it. I was like, no. Oh, no. That like, really? that's not, that's not, who falls in love that fast? It just seemed, no. Me. I mean, <laughs> me. Not me. I usually have to be dragged kicking and screaming into it. But Wait, so did you say I love you first? Yeah. <gasps> I did. I didn't know this. Yes. I mean, it was like a year in, too. Oh. It was not, it okay. wasn't, I mean, <laughs> But I knew earlier. I'm over here thinking that it was like two months. And no. she's like, I waited a year. I'm like, oh, okay, you got me well beat. But that I knew early. Okay. I just didn't get around to saying it. And then I just sort of blurted it out one day because I remember thinking, I don't care if he loves me back. I, I love just have him. to say this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love him so much. I just want him to know this is my truth. 
Wow. Yeah. I love that. I mean, which is not the so way you have it in you. your head, but so unlike you. Very unlike me. I'd never done that before. Was he the first person you ever said I love you to first? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. I know. I know. But and you know, did not really align with my cool girl heartbreaker you vibe. Know, vibe. <laughs> I had been, you know, caring for so long. But that's amazing. The heart feels how the heart feels. This is true. I'm like, what do I have to lose? Who cares? What are your thoughts on moving in before or when you're dating or moving in before marriage? I'm not a good case study for this. Really? I, no, I like to be alone. I've never lived with okay. anyone before my husband. And we didn't move in together until we had been engaged for six months. <gasps> oh, I know. I know. Major. So I really like my own space and I'm really bad at breakups. So knowing those two things, I had no interest in cohabitating because Mm. that just seems messy and difficult. And then you're going to have to figure out whose books belong to whom. And that was a hard no for me. I think you can get whatever you need to know out of dating someone. I don't think you have to live with them. If you want to, go for it. But that was just not something I personally was interested in. So how do you get alone time? How do you satisfy that part of you that needs to be alone now that you have a husband and two kids? Oh, right. And a daughter who is so obsessed with you that every time I come over to walk, she insists on getting hugs, not one, multiple, before we leave the house. It's weird. It's weird because I am such a porcupine. I Okay. I mean, I don't see that, but sure. Spiky on the outside, soft on the inside, but I want to be alone and do my own thing. And I don't want attention in that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The way that my kids give it. But like everything else, it evolves. You get used to it. That is the thing, though, I crave the most. I remember (laughs) there was one point in time I was in my car in San Diego where I grew up. My husband was playing tennis. My kids were with my mom. I'm driving. I had the windows down and my high school radio station on. I was like, oh, my God, I feel so alive. I feel like me. And I just realized that was the first time I had been alone in six months. No joke. Because it was peak pandemic. All Yeah, of it. yeah. That is the part that has been the hardest of all of relationship, of marriage, of kids not having that alone time and now when I do get it I feel weird Mm. because I'm not used to it because you've been conditioned in the opposite way yes but I also feel like you know there are (laughs) there are ways to be together and alone what are those well I read every night usually when my husband's finishing stuff up I am in bed reading alone by myself lost in my own world carving out little moments like that that sounds not super sexy but carving out small there's nothing sexy about marriage and kids I mean there is but it's like the sex is better (laughs) which I feel like no one ever talks about as I said that statement I was like oh shit it's coming out of my mouth and I don't know how to walk it back (laughs) could you see it on my face what I mean is like I think there's there's something inherently unsexy about commitment yeah it is probably the most rewarding thing but anything that you do every single day whether it's a workout routine Mm -hmm. that's very unsexy a lot of life's greatest things are very unsexy because it's not dangerous yeah it's the literal opposite and that's sort of what I I meant I hope I've redeemed myself but I could say though that what is more dangerous than investing your whole heart into other people I just got uncomfortable No, I know. What is more dangerous than creating humans who are going to go to therapy because of how you raise them someday? Right? Which is just reality.
Hey guys, I wanted to quickly clarify what it was that I was trying to say here. Not because I think that married people are going to try and cancel me or something, but because I never actually fully articulated what it was that I was trying to say. And as I was editing this back, I was like, oh, that's annoying. And also, uh, it's my show. So, you know, that's a perk. First off, not that anybody asked, but I personally think Hillary is very sexy. I also think reading in bed is very sexy. Now that could be because she and I are both nerds. <laughs> I, you know, but I, I don't know. There's something about reading in bed that I just think is fucking hot. Two, I think that marriage and kids get a bad rap because they're both so dependent on routine and commitment. And I could tangent for hours on the work of Esther Perel and how security, which is obviously a great thing, is often at odds with desire. But I won't. Instead, I'm just going to say this. When I personally think of marriage and kids, I do not think sexy. I do not think hot. I think chaos and sleepless nights and Cheerios stuck in very weird places. And maybe that is just me and my warped perception of things that I don't have right now. Or maybe I think that because it's the truth. Or maybe it's just the media portrayal, which is a long way of saying that marriage and kids need a rebrand because Hillary is right. Love is inherently dangerous. And choosing to give your heart to another person is one of the riskier things that we as humans will ever do. And while I have you here, I just want to remind you guys that your girl is still very independent. Mm -hmm. And if you like this podcast, the number one thing you can do to help me out is to subscribe to it, which is free and it's generally located in the top right-hand corner of your phone. The number two thing you can do is share it with a friend. And the number three thing is to rate and review it. Those are the three things that you can do to help me out the most and they're all free and they all take like two seconds. And yes, I do read every review. So please be nice. Okay, that's it. Now back to the show. What is more dangerous than creating humans who are going to go to therapy because of how you raise them someday? Right. Which is just reality. You're giving them their attachment style, knowingly yes. or unknowingly. Yes. Which is yes. absolutely insane. I think about that all the time. It terrifies me. I feel like I spend a lot of time reading books on psychology because of that. But it's... I mean, to me, it's the the most terrifying thing I have ever done was say, let's have a kid. Yeah. Did you want kids? No. 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 So what happened there? I don't know. You um, lost the plot? <laughs> I mean, so I didn't want kids, not because I dislike children. Yeah. I don't love all of them. I'm not going to lie. Sure. You're, um, not, you're not the woman that's like, rah, 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 I need to have babies. No. Yeah. I never cared about getting married. I never cared about having kids because both of those things are things I can't control. Like, mm. you don't know if you're going to meet your person. You don't know if your stuff works until it works. Yeah. So Did you want to get married? I wanted partnership and love yeah. and commitment. Did it have to be marriage? No. Mm. That was not. And by the way, the reason I had that freedom in part was because my parents never put any pressure on me about that. My parents who are still married are like, uh. eh, marriage is okay. So like they, they're like, do it if you want. It's not for everyone. Kids, not for everyone. So they That's always amazing. were very cool about that. Yeah. Basically, the whole goal was be able to support yourself, have a beautiful life. And anything else is creative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what I focused on. In terms of the kid thing, I come from a very trad, conservative background. But... I would have said traditional. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw those marriages growing up. And I saw, even with my girlfriends, you know, I went to USC, a lot of very traditional the MRS degree yes all of that and that did not appeal to me mm. not to judge but to me it seemed like for 95% of these relationships 
all of the home, all of the kids, all of that stuff fell on the mom. Of course. And even if she had a great career. And that was not interesting to me. Mm. With my husband, and part of the reason I married him in the first place, too, is I knew he would actually be an equal at home, in his career, in our life together. And that is what made me want to have kids. If he was the sort of person who was like, if you really want kids, we can do it. Mm. But like, I've got my own stuff. Yeah. No, that would have that would have been a no for me. How did you know he was going to be an involved dad? Partially because the way that he would talk about it. I knew that he wanted to have kids at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I saw him with my friend's kids. He has this real nurturing side to him that I saw in all of his relationships. So I knew that would be the case. Apply, yeah. yeah, exactly. I saw him also. He rescued a dog early in our relationship and the level of literally a dog running on the street that he saved, the level of care that he put in to this poor little critter, I you can just kind of tell mm. if someone's going to be kind and good with kids and all of that stuff. I think that is pretty transparent. So I knew with him, I would not be doing it on my own and that he would be able to give a lot of that nurturing and caretaking. Like I have friends whose husbands never changed a single diaper in this day and age. Are they still together? Yes. Why? I don't know. That to me, but here we go. What works for them works for them. That shit does not work for me. That's wild. But I was always very clear about that. Like, Mm -hmm. these are the expectations. And he wants to be involved. He cares to participate. He's probably the better parent, frankly. I cannot. I'm not. I'm moving on to the next (laughs) question. (laughs) That that is a lose-lose for me (laughs) because I like both of you. Um, I think it's a good thing to think that about your partner. Yeah. Yeah. I would say you have what I would call a non-traditional marriage, but you grew up very traditionally. And I'm wondering how you found yourself there in that you got a stay at home mom, but you are running multiple companies and your life does not look like what you were raised with. No. And also I was raised with a dad who as a pilot and a military guy was gone all the time. Probably three weeks out of four he was gone. So my mom was also like a single mom in some ways Mm. just in terms of having to deal with my sassy self by herself most of the time. I do not have a marriage that resembles my parents because I have financial autonomy. And I think that is actually the biggest difference, coupled with the fact that I knew I got married much later in life than they did. Mm. And by the way, their marriage is great for them. It's just not what I would want for myself personally. And I also knew that I really wanted an equal, someone who was going to put just as much into our family and our kids and our careers as I was. That was what I was looking for. And I found someone who was willing to be that with yeah. me. And I for sure dated men who felt away about my career and felt threatened by the amount of attention that I paid to work or by my salary or whatever it was. And I always was just like, okay, that's your problem. Move on. Find someone who is successful in their own right. And he has an amazing career. It's totally different from mine. And I also think that diversity is a really good thing. The financial autonomy is is really interesting. And I do think that's something that has come up a couple times on this podcast that is just an option in a way now for women that wasn't as much for our parents and certainly not for our grandparents. Yes. I interviewed my grandmother who was in a relationship with my grandfather who I never met and he was a full-blown alcoholic. And as a result, she was terrible to my mother. 
and it affected my relationship with my grandmother. And before she died, my wish one birthday was to interview her honestly. And I asked her point blank, do you regret the way that you raised my mom? And she basically said, I regret not having an education. And I was so upset by that answer that I kept coming back to it. And then eventually she just said, if I had had an education, I would have had other options. I would have been able to have a job. I was stuck in a marriage because I didn't have money. And so I did the best that I could trying to survive. Yeah. And it's wild that that's just two generations away. Sometimes not even. Right. Sometimes not even. And, you know, I have all these opportunities, whereas my grandmother truly was in a marriage of survival. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's super intense. And I think that I certainly have seen that in even in some of my peers. You think you don't want to work, fine. But then the dynamic changes. Yeah. It just does. Even if you think about it as your collective money, the reality is you get a sense of self from having your own money. I just think you do. Yeah. A sense of self from also having your own thing. Yeah. Your own career, your own revenue stream. Yeah. And I know that that's not required for a lot of people and that there are a lot of folks who, and by the way, being a stay-at-home parent, I cannot imagine that would be, that is so much work. It's probably the hardest job in the world, frankly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't value it. We don't assign capital to it. There's no salary. I've said this before on the podcast, but my dad did. My dad paid my mom. Because it's a crazy ass job. Yeah. Like it really is. But I do think the problem though, at least as I have seen it, is that it whenever people don't have their own finances, they feel stuck in a way. Yeah. Or they don't feel that they can advocate for themselves in the same way. Not everyone. Can't put their foot down. Yeah, not everyone. But that makes a ton of sense. It's like you can't actually just walk away. Yeah. And when there is disparity there, sometimes it then sort of becomes like parental child in some ways, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. asking for something. As opposed to doing what you want. Exactly. Yeah, that's truly fascinating. There's a lot to unpack there. And I realize it's different for everyone. And I don't blame people for being in those situations and no judgment there. But I think that if you can have financial autonomy, a room of one's own, as Virginia Woolf would say, but Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. to have something that is your own, whether that's career or finances or just space for yourself. I mean, it's a luxury, but it's also a necessity in a lot of ways. I love that. Yes. I'm, I'm having a woman, Tori Dunlap, to come on very shortly to talk about how to be your own sugar daddy. Yeah. Because you put up with a lot less shit. Mm -hmm. You just do. Yeah. That also probably coincided with the way you, your shift in dating in your thirties. Yeah. As your company as starting to take off. And also I realized that I was capable of so much more than I was aware of at 26. Yeah. I had worked so hard and that gave me a sense of self and a sense of purpose that I didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah, I know we hear a lot of this on like the talking head male podcasters who are like, hustle, grind, put yourself to the limit. But I mean, they do have a point. Yeah. And you don't really know how far you can go unless you try. Yeah. And also like at 31, it's not like I was making a ton of money still. Like I was digging myself out of credit card debt still from the beginning days of starting the company. Things were lean, but Mm -hmm. I knew I was capable in a way that I hadn't before. What is something you've learned about yourself being married that you never expected? I have more patience than I thought. I'm not a super patient person. It's, you know, only child, very independent, Mm. like self-centered in that way of like, I do what I want. I feel like it's okay because I communicate it. 
which sure. it, which yeah. is one of my fatal flaws. If I tell you I'm doing it, then it's fine. It's like, no, that's still you're still being an asshole, but whatever. <laughs> and especially with kids realizing, oh, I have patience for this. And part of that, too, I'm really glad that I had kids on the later side. I had my first at 38, my second at 39. I thought I was going to have some FOMO or some issues around that. Like, no, it made because it was such a radical life change. But it also made me realize, oh, I have done a lot of stuff. I don't mm-hmm. need to do all of that anymore. Yeah. And I can be patient and stay here because this time period moves. You have one shot at zero to five and then it's gone and it's over really quickly. And pretty soon they don't want to hang out with you anymore. So like really be present for the season and really be patient because they don't know. They're just trying. Mm. They're, just, they're just kids. I guess one of the questions that I like to ask people who are in healthy relationships is how do you guys fight well? We don't always. Okay. And well, what do you mean by well? What I mean by well is I think resolve. Like I was saying, circling back to earlier, the reason people break up is they learn that they don't actually like the person as much as they thought, or they can't bridge the gap between where they are and their partner is. And I think a lot of that comes down to communication. And I've dated people where we don't fight well, meaning we don't either hear each other. It gets way too nasty and we can't walk back the things that were said. I dated somebody who never said how he felt in the moment held on to the resentment and then sandbagged and then you. it came out later and I was always like what and then there were things that he didn't like that I did but because it wasn't happening in real time it was really hard for me to go back I think it's easier if you say something to me and I go oh you know what actually when you when you said that that really hurt my feelings or that tone is feeling really accusatory or are you super mad at me or whatever it is in that moment because then you Hillary could go oh oh I know what that tone is and actually it's coming from a place of frustration because I thought we were all going to be out of the house or whatever. I don't know. So do you guys take five? Do you meet in the middle? So I think we're lucky in the sense that we line up on a lot of things. Mm. One of those silly things I never thought would matter, aesthetics. I can't imagine building an actual home with someone if you don't like their personal taste. Well, that's why I asked you the question I did at the beginning. I'm like, how do you get people to get on your side if you're like, I don't love your taste? But what's interesting, it's I think you find someone who you like most of their taste. If you mm. can, that makes it easier. Easier. Then you're not. I mean, he's more modern and I'm probably more like velvet pillows than the other would like. But it but, works. But we can meet in the middle with it. In terms of fighting, I don't think I have any answers here other than we're ultimately on the same side and we're ultimately part of the same team. And so I want to lash out and so does he. We are both fighters in that way and we have to sit on it. And so there are times I'm like, I need a minute. I'm going to say something awful. And then I go into another room and I try and calm down and then I come back because I don't mean the thing I'm about to say. Sure. sure. So if I'm starting to feel hurt or mad or not seen or whatever it is, I will attack you with words that I don't even mean, but I know where your soft spots are and I know how to hurt you. For sure. And I will do that, but I don't mean it. So taking a beat, walking it back. Also, this is the person who I love and respect and who I have children with. If we can't be civil to each other when we disagree, it just seems like grow the fuck up. I love that. You heard it here first. (laughs) I mean, like, oh, you really want that? You want that zinger? You want to say that thing? You have the perfect closing line that's going to just like smack them in the face? Like, really? Yeah, I know. It's not TV. Yeah. This is the person you're going to go to sleep with later tonight. Yeah. And and also, we don't agree all the time. And that's also okay. Be comfortable with the fact that you are not always going to agree on things. Oh, I know. That's true. A lot of what you've said does line up with the theme of discomfort. 
Mm-hmm. Not like great discomfort, but like a little bit of sand in your shoe, like a mild discomfort. And if you can live with that, whether it's not being alone when you grew up as an only child mm-hmm. or some of these things, yep. that's kind of the key to, in quotes, having it all. Everyone and everything has their shit, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever going to be a frictionless, seamless experience, and that's okay. I'm not looking for perfection. Yeah. You look for the things that that matter, and then you accommodate the rest of it. Although it's interesting because I do think we're so used to instant gratification that the threshold for discomfort is getting less and less and less. Yeah, I know. But the divorce rate is also going up and up and up. So maybe there's a correlation there. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think if you really like who someone is, you can work through all of the other stuff. That's true. You did say something earlier about sex gets better when you're married. I feel like no one talks about that. Uh, please. I'm just saying it is not what I expected. That's one of the the perks of marriage that I was not expecting. I have not heard that. We hear the opposite all the time. Yes. So I don't know about those marriages, but I think there's, there becomes this weird thing about when you are married, everyone just stops talking about sex. And it's strange because you talked about it constantly with your friends up until then. Yeah. And my husband and I were talking about this and he had a theory, which I will give him credit for. He's like, maybe because married people stop talking about sex, that also makes it less sexy. Oh, interesting. Actually, that's probably true because I do think, you know, foreplay starts long before you guys ever end up in the bedroom. Yep. And so, yeah, if you're not talking about it, then you're not thinking about it as much. It's not being seated in there. Yes. And I think even if the only person you're talking about it with is your partner, yeah, that's still talking about it. Right. Reminding them, hey, the other night was amazing when you did that thing. Have that conversation with them if you don't want to have it with your friends because your friends are going to get the icks because they know your husband or partner or whatever it is. You can talk to me about it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and, which is nice. But like, it's the weird thing of, oh, comfort and familiarity you would think would breed boredom, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. Hmm. It actually, I think, frees you up in certain ways. That's interesting because I've talked a lot about on this podcast that I feel like I have had freedom with strangers. Yes, I used to think that as well. Interesting. So you were able to, because you know this person so well, let go in those ways with... Yes. That's very exciting. Yes. I mean, like marriage is whatever you want it to be. Sex is whatever you want it to be. It's true. When people complain about things, I'm like, well, what are you doing? Are you bringing your best self? Are you trying in these ways? Are you talking about it openly with your partner? Mm -hmm. You have to talk about it. And also, again, there are seasons for all of this. There was a very sad season post- Post Post-childbirth, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, it took a minute to even feel like a human again after all of that. But, you know, on the other side of it, things have been good. I love that. Yeah. I did get some questions. Yes. One was where to go for a solo dinner in LA to meet nice people. Okay. So I think the real answer is where you want to go. Mm. Because rather than thinking like a place is the thing that will make it good, you should be looking for the thing that makes you happy and then find the people that are there. Exactly. If you love hiking, join a walking club or a hiking club or... Yeah. So instead of forcing yourself to go to an Italian place, if you don't like Italian, who are you? That's weird. Go to go where you want to go. Yeah. Try things that you actually want to try and you will find like-minded people there. Yeah. I rather agree. than trying to put yourself into a box of 
food that you don't really like. That sounds strange. Yes. Just be real to, with yourself and and explore within that realm. If you feel uncomfortable in fancy places, don't go. Don't do that. Don't go somewhere really yeah. fancy. Yeah. If you want something more elevated than, you know, like a casual whatever, then do that. Go to where you feel comfortable, but also intrigued. Right. I would say also sit at the bar. Yeah, always sit at a don't, bar. Don't do the table vibe. Marvin's is good. Lil Dom's is good. Yeah, any place that has a bar, always a good thing. Yeah. What is your perspective on people being single longer than most of their friends? This person loves your mindset and wants to know more. I was the one of the later folks in my friend group to get married. And for whatever reason, that never really phased me. Mm-hmm. I always felt like there's a lid for every pot if you want there to be. And I looked at my friends and I was like, these relationships are great for them. They're not for me. That would not work for me. So therefore, there's nothing to feel jealous of or away about, period. Just let everyone do their thing. And in fact, I always thought it was nice because then I was always the celebrated one. It's like, oh, we'll go out to dinner. Hillary, come with us. And so I was having like really? this fun. Yeah. So it was always this fun I feel thing. like I get cut out of couples things. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not have that experience. I've always felt very comfortable as the third wheel in things where- I feel comfortable. And here's the thing. I've actually never been the other woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was technically, be- but I unknowingly, yes. unknowingly. And actually, I think there were just two of us. So I, we were both the other woman. But it's so weird. Sometimes I'm like, do you think I'm going to try and hit on your husband? or your boyfriend that's not me no also when has it ever been me yeah no I guess whether it's two friends or a boyfriend girlfriend or any sort of partnership I've always felt comfortable with the other two people who have the stronger connection Mm -hmm. and then me yeah that is the triangle in which I feel most comfortable so yeah I was always that person and it was great because it gave me insight also Mm -hmm. into all of these relationships Mm. so then there's also the funny thing of like you don't covet the thing because you see it and you know it and you know that it is right for them and it's not for you and that is okay yeah you know it's not perfect yeah yeah so I just feel like you find your person when you find your person and hopefully you have awesome friends who are like come along Mm -hmm. in the in the interim okay this person is in her 40s and wants tips for approaching guys as a 40 year old in LA well a a 40 in LA is like 20 in some places I feel like that's true I know. A a 40 in LA is a solid 25 in Milwaukee. Probably. So I just, again, I think always the thing is, is like, just be you. Mm -hmm. Just be authentic to who you are. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter where you are. Nothing matters other than if you're being honest with yourself and you're being honest and curious. LA in particular, no one ever asks questions. Mm. I used to have this trick that I would do on dates where part of the reason they were obsessed with me is because I would ask them a ton of questions about themselves to the point where it became a game like how many questions can I ask you about you until you ask me something about me. But then what would happen is they would feel like we had this intimate connection and then think that there was a whole thing there when meanwhile, I'd literally You're not like, I said a word. I just interviewed you. Yes. Yeah. And it was wild to me. But people love being asked questions case in point this podcast so of course just ask people questions ask them about themselves ask them what they think about whatever people love to talk about themselves so if you're looking for an entry point with someone just be curious Mm, mm. okay cool real Um, simple love that do you know what your love language is i don't really subscribe to it you don't subscribe to love languages no i wow 
Breaking news. I just feel like, aren't we all, all of them? Would you only want presents? Would you only want words of affirmation? No, you want you want a, a well-balanced plate. I guess. Yes, I am sort of all of them, but I do think my love language isn't presents. I'm not the best at giving presents, but I am really good at acts of service. And I am good at affirmations, I think. Mm-hmm. And I feel like physical touch I'm like not great at that I don't think I feel like you're good at sex well yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) no obviously that falls into that (laughs) for sure (laughs) but it's not I don't think it's my weirdly I think it's something that I am good at and I like but I don't think of that as being a love language I think of that as an activity what that is a love language girl I guess but I never I am not the person that has ever used sex to come back from a fight like I can't actually have sex after a fight Hmm. if you made me mad or sad good luck dude (laughs) we are gonna need some time for me to fall back in love with you yeah And I've always been really conscious of PDA. Like not liking it? Being very mindful of it so that I don't subject other people to my relationship. Oh, okay. While sober. I should put that caveat in there because I have done some very humiliating, embarrassing things while drunk. But that's what being drunk is about. I know. There's going to be people listening. I'm like, I literally saw you lick this guy in a bar the other week. It happens. Yes. I made some poor choices. I don't believe in them because I just think we all want all of them in some way or another. Maybe that's just me because I cannot specifically pinpoint one that feels most at home. They all feel at home. I don't. Is that weird? Like I just to me, it feels kind of performative. What is interesting to me, though, is to look at the way that other people show care Mm. and realize that that's how they want you to show care to them. Yes. For example, my mother went through a phase when she bought me all of these decorative vases. They were vases. I remember this and you had to be like, I can't, I don't have space for them. I hate decorative vases. That is not my vibe. It certainly wasn't in my 20s. It will never be. Hilarious. And I had to talk to her about it. I was like, I know. And by the way, every piece that came to me, I was like, this should be in your house. Yeah, that you wanted this for you. Yes, and that is great. But it's like, this is a you thing, not a me thing. I appreciate that you are showing me love. I hear the message. Mm. But those decorative faces are not for me. Thank you very much. Did you start getting her? Did you start, start buying them for her? Yes. That's funny. Because yes. that's like how she wanted you to show up. It is. And I felt, I was like, okay, great. Here we go. Actually, what she wants me to do is to call her every day. But we have had a conversation about that. And I said, no. I was like, why do you want a gift that is being given against my best wishes? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. She's a cancer. What can you do? I'm also, I'm a Sag Cancer Scorpio. We have that Scorpio moon in common. I know. See, that's why you were like, I was a mean girl. I'm Mm -hmm. like, that was your Scorpio moon. Yes. By the way, mean girl to men, not to other women, generally speaking. Okay, fair, 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 fair. What about breakups? What about them? How do you get over a breakup? You napalm them. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You send them poop. You know there's a company that does that, I do. I mean, no, I'm learning about this for the first time here. Uh, (laughs) No, I've never heard of that. Um, How do you get over a breakup? I think just by living your life and letting it go and knowing that you're going to process it, how you will process it. I just sat in sorrow for a while after my last big breakup. I was Mm -hmm. like, 
I fall in love very infrequently. And when I do, it's for a very long time. And then it takes me a while to get over. And then I do. And I just was okay with that. I didn't put a time limit on it. I just let myself be sad for a long time. And a long time, like years? Months. Okay, months. Yeah. Months of sad. I mean, periodic sad that lingered. Well, I just have to ask because you did say you fell in love really fast. And then you said a year. So I was like, yeah, time right. might be different in <laughs> Hillary Kerr's world <laughs> than in mine. <laughs> well, yes. So, you know, I think you just let yourself be sad. And then what I realized is I had neglected my life during that relationship. Mm. And that's because I was in the season of a long-term relationship and fiscally very dry and also building a company. So I didn't have any money to do anything. And I was spending all my time at work or with my partner. And I had let the rest of my life kind of fall apart. And so I took that period. I was like, I am going to build back bounce back my life <laughs> build back better yeah like i'm going to build my <laughs> life back and i started working out and making friends again and investing in my life and investing in experiences. Yeah, Yeah. like going to shows and seeing art and doing things. I came from a place of yes for a very long time where I would say yes to going out to dinner with people, yes to seeing a movie in the cemetery, yes to anything, even if I didn't really want to, just because you never know. It just was something to do. And you never know when you're going to meet someone else. Yeah. And I wasn't even really thinking about that part. I was just thinking about building a life. And then I had a little bit of like, if you build it, they will come going on. But I thought like, why would I want to date me with my sad life? Right? That's just real. My life was pretty sad. And so I was like, okay, I need to fall in love with my life again. And that's something I can control. And that's something you can control. And it did work. Yes. It made me so happy. I was like, I didn't even want to (laughs) date. And then you... (laughs) Found your husband. And then I accidentally fell in love. Love that. Yeah. Did you go no contact? Do you believe go no contact? What do you what's your stance on the socials? Do you delete from the socials? I have been lucky because the vast majority of the people I have dated were older, so they did not have social media. So it wasn't their letters. Yes. So I'm mostly no contact. Okay. By force or by by hook or by crook. But my feeling is I love people who are like, oh, we're still friends. If we have cared about each other, Mm -hmm. I don't need to be your friend. I have friends to be my friends. I don't need that from someone who has also been my lover. Interesting, because obviously we differ in that. Yes, I don't care. I'm friends with. I don't want to know. A couple of my exes, yeah. Pleasant, if you run into them, no knives out, but I have no interest in that. It's done. I wish you well. Interesting. You don't get to enjoy any part of my personality or my life or my advice or my insights anymore. That is how I think of it. Mm, I think because the two that I'm pretty good friends with, which is actually kind of like how we know each other. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Evan, who I did not date. I should clarify (laughs) that on the podcast, but he was friends with one of my exes. Really set that up weird. They ended for no, nobody was at fault. So Mm. it felt like it fizzled as opposed to it being a break, even though we did break. And so I think in that sense, mine blow up or, or they wither to the point where I have such extreme icks that I don't, I can't even be your friend anymore. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I think that's the difference because the, the ones that did blow up, they're hashtag dead to me. Yeah. And I was like very passionate. So it's like if we weren't in a you're dead to me relationship, I didn't want to be in it. Oh, okay. What's the point? Well, yeah. I mean, that's, Again, that's, I have what, how mine, that's how mine fizzled. Yeah. You know. Okay. Speed round question. Yes. What's a killer move? 
eye contact. I know it sounds dumb. People don't look at each other anymore. Yeah, that's true. It feels really intimate. I'm staring at you. It feels really intimate. Yeah. It feels personal. It is intentional. It's provocative. It is low risk, high effort. It's just great. (laughs) It's an easy thing to do with a great return. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Nothing, what bad has ever come from eye contact? Conversely, can I tell you something petty that I do? Yes. So there are a few people that I don't like for very good reason. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I refuse to ever make eye contact with them, but I just stare at their ears. So did you see what I did? I'm staring at your ears, but imagine having a full on conversation where I never look at you. Oh, that's creepy. Mm -hmm. I like it. But they can't ever say no because if we're on a group having this conversation well now I've outed myself so now they can point it out and people will be like oh yeah she just doesn't like you yeah but that was my move for people who were very mean to me that don't remember me because they got famous tail as old as time and tail as old as LA and so that's that's my go-to move because it works in reverse yeah if you don't make eye contact with someone it's very jarring yes especially if you're standing really close yes and then you always could just screw with them once more and just give them direct and yeah. then they know what they've really been missing and they're exactly. like exactly ah! <laughs> they know that I'm not just these subtle weird. blow-ups are just my favorite mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought you would appreciate that very much so okay killer date again I'm simple feed me give me alcohol maybe a show anything like that I love live music so that was always very much top of list nothing that feels forced I don't I don't want to go on a roller coaster I don't mm-hmm. want a I hate a day date hate a day date especially early on hate it why it's just too much. It's too intimate. Day no. dates are too intimate. Yes. They feel so casual. No. It's forced casual. I don't like a day date. Mm-mm. No. Wow. Okay. No. no. That that was not for me at all. It just feels awkward. Their son. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you got me with the sun. A date killer. The sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, like a real date killer hygiene like if someone shows up and it's clear that they have not put any effort into their person and I'm not saying like they have to have some perfect outfit in fact I would probably be freaked out if they look like they could walk out from the pages of Vogue Paris but I want someone who is clean yeah who has brushed their teeth yeah who has put together an outfit that does not have visible stains this is very low bar very, very low bar, very low bar. But and you is, would imagine, I mean, you would be you would be surprised how many people don't hit that bar. It's crazy. Put a little effort in, not too much. Clean your fingernails. Clean your clean yourself. Yeah. Just clean yourself. Yeah. Very simple. Did you just check your fingernails? <laughs> That's hilarious. Also, it's like I have a really keen sense of smell, so like I can smell your dirty scalp, not yours, but oh, like Lord. a person's. Yes. So just be a little clean. Clean. Yeah. What is one thing that you're working on to improve your relationship? God, being more thoughtful. You? Yeah. Yeah, because you can get lazy when you're with someone for a long time. And you stop doing the little things that you did in the beginning. I was at the store the other day and I saw this book. I was like, oh, he would love it. And I realized I used to do stuff like that all the time. And then I just, you know, you get busy and life gets in the way and you stop taking those little moments to be thoughtful for each other, Mm. to buy the sparkling water that you know he likes or, you know, whatever it may be. The other thing is letting go of little things. There's some little things that I have just come to terms with that I just need to let go of. Right. And they're not deal breakers. It just is what it is. You have different standards. My husband does not make the bed. I like a made bed. 
he's never going to proactively do that on sure, his own. Sure. It is what it is. It it's is just, what it is. It's just a thing that I do. It's yeah. fine. He does lots of stuff that I don't want to do. So making peace with that. Okay. So I guess also on that note, keeping scoreless. Keeping scoreless. Yeah. What's one thing in your self-love practice? Carving out time for myself. Whatever that means. If that's a bath, if it's... I think I've done a really good job of that with exercise. Yeah. My husband has been super supportive of... I work out every day. He feeds the kids breakfast, takes them to school so that I can have that time. And that to me, showing up for myself in that way, working out is for my mental health as much as anything. That feels like self-love to me, making time for myself and also books. Well, that's part of alone time. Yeah. I love that. Okie dokie. I ask everybody this. Yes. Killer advice. What is the best relationship advice you've ever received? You teach people how to treat you. That is true. You put up with what you put up with, you accept what you accept, and you say no to the things that you don't like. You are telling people where your boundaries are, what you're worth, what you take, what you don't take. You teach people how to treat you. And you have to nip bad behavior in the bud really early on. Do not let people get away with things because it'll keep going and going. You do not get points for being the cool girl. Mm -mm. And if you don't like something early on, it's not going to get better. Like you said, you forget to be thoughtful, not because for lack of love. You are obviously very in love with your husband. Yeah. But if it's if things are going to get worse or less, depending on what we're talking about, then it's absolutely imperative to set boundaries and put your foot down early on. And I think so many people are afraid to speak up and say things yeah. in the beginning of relationships. And sometimes people are just testing. They don't care yeah. one way or the other. Everyone wants to see what they can get away with. It's just like kids. It's true. Or dogs. <laughs> I'm not going to make the joke. I'm not going to make the joke. I'm not going to make the joke. You know? <laughs> yes. So, and it's not to put all of the responsibility on the person for how they are treated, but I think you can be very clear about what you abide by and what you don't. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. This my has pleasure. been so fun. Truly. Hillary Kerr, if people want to find more of you, mm. where do they do that? At Hillary Kerr on Instagram, and that has a link to my newsletter too. The newsletter is amazing. Thanks. I mean, it's great if you like to shop because that's mostly what it is. The newsletter is great for gift ideas. I mean, I feel like it's a very curated list of things that have been vetted by you. Yes, very heavily vetted. I'll look at that before I ever go out on my own to Google something. I'd like to be your own personal wire cutter. What can I say? That's great. And also you have two podcasts. Yes, I have a podcast called Second Life, which is about women who have a career pivot and what they learn along the way. And then another one that's called Who What Wear Pod, which is really bringing the pages of Who What Wear to life in a different way. Yeah. Interviewing celebrities, hairstylists, makeup artists stylists all the behind the scenes of costume designers fashion and entertainment yep well you guys have a plenty of links to go click on (laughs) to find more about hillary (laughs) lots of stuff thank you (laughs) thanks rory i was like i can't believe i forgot i have podcasts (laughs) i was like what is she gonna i was like she has a bunch of books there's so many things Um, was was that okay yeah that was great Hey guys, I hope you all loved that episode as much as I did. If you want more of Hillary Kerr, all of her info is linked below in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening and see you next, next Tuesday. Oh,